Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the first of our spoiler specials dedicated to the greatest thing to emerge from the pen of J.R.R. Tolkien since that book about fly fishing. No wait, that was J.R. Hartley. Damn it! It is, of course, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, the brand new Prime video series which takes us back to the world of men, elves, orcs, dwarfs and hobbits or hobbit adjacents you guys can correct me on this Hmm. later on and tells the tale of how the one ring and all its little brothers and sisters came to be and joining me to discuss the first two episodes of the show and just what 450 million dollars of jeff bezos's cash gets you these days are two members of the fellowship of such lethal cunning eh eh isn't it isn't it clever who have traveled here to poddle earth eh no. No. Fire the Sundering Sea and the Southlands. It is, of course, Helen O'Hara. Hello. Yes, I did the 8,000 meter front crawl to get here. 8,000 <laughs> kilometer that front crawl to get here. Galadriel really has got her. I hope she's got her 10K badge. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, and Dan Jolin is also here. Hey, Dan. Well met, my friend. Oh, dear God. What is this podcast going to be? So full disclosure, full disclosure, uh, I wasn't meant to be doing this. It was like, it was like <laughs> Clerks 3. I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> but um, but uh, due to some personnel issues, shall we say, uh, the only two people we had available to do the podcast were Helen and Dan. So I suggested to Helen, I said, hey, Helen, why don't you and Dan just do the, the podcast on your own? And Helen went, that would be a terrible idea. It would become so ultra nerdy, no one would want to listen to it. So I said, all right, I will, will get past my, not, not skepticism about Lord of the Rings, but I'm, I'm more of a Lord of the Rings agnostic, I think it's fair to say. I've seen the films and I've, I've read the books. I loved the books. I loved the books growing up. I loved the books growing up. And so here I am, having now watched both episodes of The Rings of Power, and I'm here with Helen and Dan to try to make sure that this shit doesn't get too nerdy. I don't know why you think that. Why would you think that? I know. I'm sorry, Dan. I've maligned you. It was, it's obviously myself I was worried about. I'm upset. I'm a little upset. I'm a little upset. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a super Tolkien nerd. I think people assume I am because, you know, I, I look a lot like... You look like, like Gandalf, yeah. I look like Aragorn. Oh, wow. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, at least at least in my head I do. But I'm not, you know. You're as hairy I, as a little hobbit, Dan. You're a, you're a little little hairy hobbit. I'm like all the fellowship rolled into one person, if you could imagine With such the a emphasis thing. heavily on Gimli, I would say, but... What? <laughs> no comment, no comment. No, no comment. Luckily, there no are comment. no women in these films, so I don't seem like anybody. Um, or now there are, because now this is woke talking. We'll get into that in a minute. Oh, um, God. No, we're not doing, we're not doing well, that. No we, have to, no, we have to tell them how stupid and wrong they are. It's really important to me. Are we woken and talking? <laughs> is that what we're doing? <laughs> With J.R.R. Wokian. Oh, no. No, anyway. Look, uh, I I used to read the books uh, over and over and over again when I was younger, and I still read them fairly regularly. Um, I used to speed read them, see how fast I could get through. Of course you fucking did. Of course you fucking did. I haven't. But, but, but I've only read The Silmarillion once, and of course they don't have the rights to The Silmarillion. This is pretty much all taken from... The Unfinished Tales? Appendices hmm. to The Hobbit. The appendices? To, to the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, this is from, I'm not kidding, this is from the footnotes, essentially. Yeah. So it's like someone could make an entire series out of the Terry Pratchett stuff from the Discworld novels. Yeah, it's imagine, like, so that'd be freaking cool. That's what they've done Yeah, here. with all the, you know, the lemmings yeah. and stuff. It'd be great. 
So they don't have the rights. I mean, obviously, I read the Empire cover feature from from page one to page whatever it was on. Uh, I read it. I I obviously read it. Of course, I read it. Well, why would I not read it? So I know full well that this isn't based on the Silmarillion, no, but um, just on the appendices. But, uh, but that's let's presume for a second that I didn't read mm. that. This is news to me. That's that's exciting. I thought it was based on the Silmarillion and the Unfinished Tales, but it's not. No. Although they they cover some of the same ground, so there's a bit of complication there. But Gerard Tolkien was continually working and reworking his ideas. So you know there are, there are different explanations for the origins of certain characters in the Unfinished Tales, in the Silmarillion, in the appendices. So there, there's there's some weird shit going on. But what what there is crucially is there is there are some basic facts, some basic ideas, and then a huge amount of freedom to make stuff up around that. So same similar actually to House of the Dragon when we talked about that. You know, that is a show where the basic facts of the quote unquote history are established by George R. R. Martin, but they are not elaborated upon. The characters are not given much character. There isn't a lot of detail there. Similar here, we know roughly what happened to Numenor, no spoilers, but we don't know a lot about the people it happened to. And so that's where this show has all the room in the world to kind of play around. So they're trying, I think, to get those Tolkien-esque archetypes and those Tolkien-esque feel without having, you know, a script to work from essentially in the way that the Lord of the Rings team did. So, yeah, because um, I, I read the books. When I say I read the books, I read The Hobbit, obviously. I read Lord of the Rings. I read The Silmarillion to a point. <laughs> then I got so bored I stopped. I loved it. I loved the Lord of the Rings as a kid. I was ma- I was massively and as a teenager, and I reread it again when the movies were coming out, and I loved it all. But yeah, the Silmarillion was the the point where I drew the line, uh, and then I I bought the unfinished tales, but I never started them. I don't know if that's irony or not, <laughs> but, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it is. Dan, where were you? Are you a big so you say you're not a super 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 duper Tolkien nerd. I I, I no, I'm not not crazy talking nerd. I mean, Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite ever books, a hundred percent. Uh, and I absolutely loved The Hobbit as well, both both as as experiencing it as a child and then reading it to my children. Uh, didn't read Lord of the Rings to my children for some reason. That, that was never really it's fucking long. Is, I mean, it, that's that's mainly it, yeah, I guess. That's what Tolkien said. It's what he said when he delivered the manuscript. He said it's fucking long. <laughs> it's fucking it took long. Took me seventeen years. Yeah, Oxford professor of philology. There, you know, yeah. making full use of his vocabulary. Yeah, so <laughs> but, <laughs> fucking long, mate. <laughs> but yeah, no, I it's it's I absolutely love it. But I'm I'm more I'm more somebody who kind of loves the life of the creation rather than the creation it, itself. If 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 you understand what I mean. In other, I played Dungeons and Dragons, right? You know, that was my thing, mm-hmm. and and that quite was quite heavily drawn from Tolkien as well as from things like Conan, uh, the, you know, Conan the Barbarian and, and mm-hmm. lots of pulp fantasy. So it's, it's a brew of those, but obviously Tolkien was a big influence so much. So they, they, they sued the, the makers of Dungeons and Dragons successfully, I think. So, yeah, so that, that was kind of like, it was like, I, 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 it's almost like I lived middle earth in many ways in my mind. And I love those characters. And obviously I returned to it again and again, but I didn't delve deeply into, you know, the actual, I've never read the Silmarillion. I mean, that may shock you. <gasps> I've never read Unfinished Tales. That may shock you. <gasps> I have read the appendices though. I mean, not in any great detail. I just kind of like, you know, gone through the appendices, looked through them, a bit interested yeah. by it and everything. So yeah, and, 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 and obviously I'm a major, major fan of the Peter Jackson movies, even kind of like the Hobbit films. Mostly, yeah. I rewatched them last year. I don't know why I put them on, but I did, and I sat and rewatched them. 
they're not very good, are they? But there's some there's some moments in them that are great. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they they don't compare. But of course, this is not officially a prequel to those films because they do not officially have the rights. So this is a very separate thing that is not officially a prequel to this Peter Jackson films. That just happens to look <laughs> identical to the films. Totally, okay. total coincidence. Yeah, fonts, fonts yep. are, I, I'm not a font guy, but the fonts look pretty similar Howard as well. Howard Everything looks involved in the music, you know, yep, it's yeah, all John, a coincidence. John Howe, John Howe doing concept artwork. Yep. Uh, and uh, yep. yeah, I mean, you know, when, when, when Sauron briefly appears in the first episode, uh, he's thinner, but he pretty much looks the same as he does at the very, very mm. beginning of, um, of uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. He's just not as mm. chonky. <laughs> not as chonky indeed yeah. and you know listen that's his only appearance in the show right or is it or but we'll, well, get it is. That. Yeah. we'll get on to that in due course uh, and also the, the new characters because obviously this is as as Helen said as I already knew uh, inspired by the appendices and um, a Wikipedia skim I'm guessing as well and which is basically all I did and there are new characters. There are new characters and and little bits of intrigue to to push the show along. So the, the big question, obviously, is what do we think of the show first of all? But before we get to that, what do you think of the of the show's setup? Because you know, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy both have really compelling through lines, really compelling log lines that just grip you. In The Hobbit, you know, it is a little hobbit who is going about his business, just living his life, and a bunch of dwarf thieves turn up and say, hey, listen, there's this dragon who's got a shit ton of gold, and we want to relieve the dragon of that gold. That's, yeah, there's more to it, obviously, but that's basically it. Technically, they see him as the thief. They're not thieves. They They're, see him as the yeah, thief, yeah. Just okay. he's, he's their, their property. They're kind of bounty hunters yeah. or, or repo men, if you will. Yes, but that's basically that's basically the through line of, yes. of the Hobbit. You know, dragon, gold, dwarves, Hobbit, nicking things. Through line of Lord of the Rings, correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that We gotta get years rid later, of this jewelry. We gotta get rid of this jewelry. That thing you stole, it's bad, man. It's bad. We need to take it down to cash converters or preferably a giant fucking volcano and we gotta go there and we all these people are gonna help you because Evil yeah. is trying to kill you, and the the rings corrupt you. Very very simple plot mm. that to drive three <laughs> films or six films or twenty films or whatever it is. This one is a little bit more nebulous. Yeah. I'm not sure what the what, it, what for you. What is the through line of this of this first season and overall show? So do you think th- there is some very exciting stuff that is potentially coming up. Right, um, I think. I think part of the problem is that uh, for me, the, the single weakest part of this was the opening narration. That is the single thing I've hated most or disliked most at least about these shows. And I think the opening narration did not do a great job. In fairness, it was trying to cram several thousand years worth of history and the entire creation of the world into you know those sort of five minutes. But I don't think it did a terribly good idea uh, job. But the basic premise I think of this season is there was a bad guy, we beat him, but what if he comes back? And I think that's certainly Galadriel's through line. Um, that's what she's searching for. I think that's beginning to tie in already with the the men of the Southlands, uh, Arondir and Bronwyn and that, that crowd over there with the humans. Uh, right. It's not quite clear yet how it ties into Elrond and Celebrimbor and, and Durin, but it uh-huh. is. Mm. They're Good clearly getting involved in some ring shit. So that's yes. going to tie in ultimately to Sauron as well. Right. But here's my question. Sure. 
I'll, I'll maybe try and boil it down to even even brassier attacks. If you were to say to someone what this show is about, yeah, like a Lord of the Rings agnostic or or someone who was just didn't not interested in the show, what would you say to them is the plot of this show? Isn't it about the creation of the rings? Yeah, how the ring was made. See, that's not overly clear in the first two episodes. Well, no, because I think they're moving the Smiths into place, if that makes sense. So it's clear already that Celebrimbor and Durin and the dwarves are going to work together to at least make maybe the elven rings. The dwarves are then going to want the dwarf mm. rings. Numenor is going to want the men's rings. So so the, whatever Celebrimbor and Durin is cooking up is ring adjacent at the very least. Mm-hmm. Wherever Sauron is, he's clearly going to turn up and get involved in this whole ring operation yeah. in some fashion. Mm-hmm. We know that just from the history of the Lord of the Rings. We know it from the opening prologue, basically. Um, we just don't know how or who or where yet, or do we, etc. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so The Hobbit is about Bilbo finding the jewellery. Mm-hmm. The Lord of the Rings is about Frodo destroying the jewellery. Yeah. And this is the story of H. Samuel. Basically, this is the story of how the jewellery was jewelled. Yeah, at least, come on, the money, amount of money they're spending, this is the story of Mr. Tiffany, not H. Samuel. Thank you very much. Um, but, but broadly, yes, but I think, and look, you know my position on prequels is generally anti, but I think there's a lot of stuff here that hasn't been explored that can give us some stuff to work with. So we know that Elrond's going to survive. We know that Galadriel's going to survive. I'm not you know, giving anything away there. We don't know that for basically anyone else. We know that at some point, Durin is going to meet his bane. Yeah, we are. And we can guess why and how, and to, to some extent, what that is. Do, we do don't you know mean there's a Batman crossover? <laughs> the other thing is we don't have... that. They're completely changing the timeline of the third age, or the second age. They have to, because the second age in the books... This is. I'm so sorry, it's really nerdy. The second age in the books oh God. lasts like 9,000 years. There's the rise and fall of Numenor in that time. I think we're only really going to have time for the fall. So I, I feel like we're going to turn up to Numenor. It's going to be a thing already. But we have. it's all going to be compressed into, you know, I'm guessing about 200 years being the lifespan of most of these people. Yeah, it gets it gets a little bit confusing chronology wise because the elves live for so bloody long. Mm. So, so when you kind of like that opening part of the first episode actually covers like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, maybe thousands. Thousands, but yeah. but, but but it is actually thousands. Yeah, but yeah. there you go. So 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 it's like it's like whereas we're still in the lifetime of Galadriel and she is only a little bit older, you know, kind of a thing. So it's it's weird. It's because like it's, it's the equivalent of a few decades to a human, but it's actually a thousand odd years to an elf. So, and yet it presents it as if it's just like a few decades, but it's actually that long. So, and I still haven't quite got a grip myself of, okay, so how long has Sauron supposedly not been around? How long has it, how long has it taken Gladriel and her posse yeah. roaming the northern wastes to come back and for Gilgalad, uh, aka Abraham Lincoln, aka young Liam Neeson, um, <laughs> yes, very much um, so. Who you know, for, 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 he has a particular set of skills. Yeah, exactly, um, looking like Liam Neeson is one yeah. of them. <laughs> he does all sorts of crazy characters. Anyway, um, actually, he is a stand-up <laughs> comedian, Ben Walk. Anyway, sorry, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah stand-up. Uh, unlike Liam Neeson, um, but um, back to the point. Back to the point. Yes, I, I, I'm still not 100 percent sure. What the time frame has been? How long has it taken them to decide that actually there's not a threat anymore? Has that been like five hundred years? Like uh, yeah, what's yeah. Like, they, say okay. they, they say hundreds. They yeah, say hundreds. Exactly. So it's like whatever it is, four, five hundred years. Yeah, well, okay, we're pretty sure Sauron's not around anymore. And then like it's like the next day. Oh no, hang on, wait a minute, he's back. 
<laughs> well, essentially, yeah. Okay, so so okay. Talk to me as you would a, a small child or a golden retriever with this stuff, okay? But the the opening of the show, uh, which I okay, which I thought was I I liked it. I liked the the first two episodes. I really liked the relationship between Elrond and Durin. Durin. And Durin, I thought that was great and really charming and lovely. Yeah. There are certain there are certain threads of the show I like better than others. I really like Morpha Clark as Galadriel. Yeah. But I th- and I thought it was very, very well directed by J.A. Bayona, who knows his way around stuff like this. And it looks incredible. Obviously, we'll get onto that in due course. But there were certain things that I just kind of didn't really understand or get. So I don't understand or get where Sauron went or why he went away because he didn't seem to have been vanquished. Did he just get bored and fuck off? Yeah, he was vanquished. He was vanquished. And I think this is something that the show didn't make clear in all of that intro. It it sort of showed the elves being beaten, but didn't show that they actually did kind of win and force. So they first of all, they won against Morgoth, who was like the biggest big bad. And Sauron was like his sidekick. And then they also beat back Sauron. So they First beat off time. Sauron. Beat back, I said. I was very oh, careful with my wording. Thank you. Damn you, Helen. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but they didn't definitively beat him. And I think that, that was what didn't work for me a little bit in that opening section, because you literally go in the space of sort of five minutes from orc spread to every corner of the world to no orc has been sighted in years. And it's like, well, pick one. I don't understand what how those two things relate, because you've skipped all the Thing in between. And the reason they've skipped everything in between is because they're freaking elves, they live forever, and what's 500 years here or there? But that's essentially the situation. So they did beat Sauron at great cost to themselves, but they're not sure they've definitively beaten him and that he's definitely gone for good. And as it turns out, spoiler, he isn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be a pretty short <laughs> show, wouldn't it? Like, no, he's definitely gone. The end. Yeah, yeah. The end. Should we should we make some rings? Why? I don't know. Uh, so my understanding is that Sauron um, is then complicit in the creation of the rings. Yes. So he comes back and he basically says to Celebrimbor, "Hey," but he he disguises himself as someone else, right? And then he goes, "Hey, listen, it'd be great if you made these incredible rings." There's there's a bit of story that I don't know how they're going to tackle, which which there is a kind of Sauron's not necessarily pretending to be someone else, but he pretends to to be behaving in a different way. I don't know if they're going to stick with that for the adaptations. It all ties in with Numenor, which I think we're going to be introduced to in the next episode, mm-hmm. and Sauron's Ooh. relationship with Numenor. But I, I, again, we can only speculate how the show's going to handle that and, and how much it's going to change things. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, so Sauron is described as a trickster in many ways, almost Loki-like uh, around this time. Um, so he does inveigle himself into the creation of these rings and then of course secretly creates the one ring which has the power over all the other rings. Except the three elven rings, which he doesn't have a hand in. He never touches them. That's because yes. Celebrimbor kind of senses something. Or and- maybe he's been playing with those ones before Sauron turns up or after Sauron leaves, but I, I don't policy. know. I don't mm. remember exactly how, but he he is okay. not involved in the Elven Rings. That's why they can resist him. That's why um, Galadriel and Elrond and Gandalf can use the rings against him at the end of the Hobbit. Right. I'm loving this. This is great. I just like I blunder into the show. I go. I don't know what's happening, but it looks very pretty. And then you guys tell me what's happening. This is this is, this is so good. Yeah. Uh, can you can you can I have you for all shows from Better Call Saul to Hey Dougie? Because you were you will be invaluable. Um, hey Dougie so, is so good. Love it. Hey have you Dougie seen the Apocalypse amazing. Now episode yet? 
I don't think I have yeah. yet. Well, joy no, to come. but uh, but uh, yes, joy, joy unconfined awaits me. But uh, but yeah, I want to talk about uh, Sauron and his uh, tricksterish ways and the way that he can change his appearance because that might come in to the that, that might come into the fabric of the show. That might be a central mystery that underpins the show. But first off, we're nearly twenty minutes into this and we've buried the lead big time. What do you think of the show? <laughs> <laughs> do you like the show? Do you, is it promising? Oh, absolutely, it's hugely promising. I'm really enjoying. I mean, it was. It, 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 I've done two watches since those two episodes dropped on Friday. And I the first time it was a little kind of, I don't really know these characters. I kind of want the characters I know and I like, and I'm not really sure what's, what, I don't know these places. I don't, who are these people anyway? Who is this, who is this person pretending yes, to be Elrond? Yes. Where is what's, Hugo Weaving? Who's this person pretending to be Gladriel? Steve Harrington playing Elrond? And where do they get <laughs> their hair gel? Um, but um <laughs> you know, I got that out of the way I, and then watched it again. And I actually, again, it's that sort of thing of like, right, okay, baggage unloaded. Let, now let's just enjoy it for what it is. And it's astonishing uh, uh, in terms of like the production they've mounted. It's kind of really like the first TV show that really does feel like it's just 100% cinema and not like a kind of TV compromise version of cinema. I mean, even even putting it side by side with House of the Dragon, uh, it feels three times, oh, five times, yeah. ten times the size. It's, it it's, is yeah. absolutely astonishing, and it's and Bayona has done an absolutely fantastic job on those two episodes. Um, it's just like so. Yeah. It's it, it just the, the, some of the framing, some of the lighting. I know that's obviously not just his job, but just no, he does it himself. Yeah. He does it. He, do, he <laughs> hangs all the lights he does himself. Everything. Uh, the music as ladder. well. I mean, it's be, 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 he does ben that ben too. Ben <laughs> best best work, I would say. Um, it, it's incredible. All, he does it despite being a bear. Yeah, it is astonishing. It all ties together absolutely wonderfully, and yeah, no, I so I totally totally dug it, and now I'm I'm I am intrigued, and I. Absolutely adore uh, Morvith Clark as as Galadriel. Um, I've oh, always forgotten who Kate Blanchett is. My apologies, Morvith. My apologies, Morvith. Yes, Morvith. Uh, I, I, you know, having having someone because in her opening narration, you know, she's Welsh, and uh, there's a lot of rolled R's in a lot of the these words, mm. and she's just uh, Mordor well, and Saron. Apparently, Welsh is one of the languages that J.R. Tolkien drew from in creating Elvish, so it all comes. Oh, you mean J.R. Tolkien? Sure. Um, I've look. I wrote the Empire review for this, so it's pretty uh, obvious that I'm positive um, uh, mm-hmm. to the extent of four stars. I think it's a super good start. Like you say, all the money's on screen. Morpheth Clark in particular is great. Uh, Owen Arthur as Durin. I just fell instantly in yeah. love with him and, and, and Disa, yeah. um, Sophia, Sophia as well. Incredible, incredible performances from both of them. Uh, it took mm-hmm. me a bit longer to warm to Elrond, but that's probably right for his character. And I'm now kind of on board since I saw him with Durin. And yes. um, the whole Arondir and Bronwyn thing has me a little bit intrigued and I don't quite know what's mm. going on over there. So that's fun as well. I'm having a great time. I I have <laughs> I have notes. I had quite a lot of nitpicks in my book, which I've forgotten to bring with me today. So that well done me. But I had things like, I would like to see a bit more location work and a bit less stage work. I think that might've been a 
problem of the pandemic um, to some degree. I think it might have been a stylistic choice for a lot of these sets, but I do want to see more open air filming uh, as we go along, please. And thank you. Beautiful as these these sets and these green screens are. I would I, I, I hate a lot of the hairstyles and a lot of the hats, but that's a very minor nitpick. <laughs> um, but I really uh, hate, I mean, the hats are terrible. Oh, I hate them. But uh, but yeah, I think I'm, and my, my biggest quibble was probably with the Irishness of the Harfoots, which I didn't love. Now, I, I wouldn't go so far as some people have gone to say, they've, they've actually accused it of sort of making light of the famine and, and trucking in anti-Irish stereotypes. And I don't think that's true, but I do think it's a little bit, let's say, first base to give your comic relief characters all Irish accents. I didn't think all of them did very good Irish accents, which also slightly upset me. So uh, that was one decision I could have maybe left, lived without. So it's like the the hobbits in 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 the movies got to have different yeah. accents. You know, there's yeah. a Scottish hobbit, a Northern mm. hobbit, Southern hobbits, West Country hobbit. You know, and it just didn't really matter, did it? No, and I may, maybe they were trying to sort of like distinguish themselves again from the movies and the do hobbits, something slightly and different the, yeah. and make make it clear they're not quite. Because Harfords aren't hobbits, right? They're not well, hobbits exactly. Sort of are. This is another point of contention. So the, the the makers of the show have have taken a few different mentions of Harfoots, etc., in the books, Stores and, and another one I've forgotten the name of as well, to to say, well, these are completely separate people from Hobbits. These are sort of progenitors or ancestors of Hobbits. I think the books are not quite clear on whether or not there were Hobbits in the Second Age per se. So whether they were ancestors of or not is disputed by scholars, and I'm not going to get into it because I've seen some very angry arguments about it online, which I don't want any part of. Um, but yes, certainly in the lore of this TV show, they are essentially progenitors or, or ancestors or relations of hobbits rather than hobbits as we know them. Right. Okay. Um, but they're so cute with the little feet. <laughs> I don't really care about the accents. Um, I quite like that they're Irish. Uh, Lenny Henry's uh, are really good. His, really good at accents. His is very good. Accent. Yeah, his is very good. Yeah. I had no problems with his. It was a couple of the others that were a bit like. Ooh. It's, 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 it's almost a shame though he didn't get to keep his own accent because that's the part of the world that Tolkien's from, you know, mm. and and that's the area of the world that, that that he got a lot of his inspiration. So, so to, to you know, I, I think they all should have been Brummies. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, a couple of points are uh, uh, Helen and Dan made. Uh, so the Elrond thing's interesting. So in this, he's played by Robert Arameo, hold the Arameo. And I, I, like Helen, I had a little bit of an issue with that at first because you can see, you can draw a line, I think, from Morfith Clark. And I do apologize. I, I literally interviewed her on the podcast like three years ago and mispronounced her name. So that's terrible. I, I always like to try and get it right. Um, Morfith Clark, you can draw a line from her to Kate Blanchett. You can, you know, you can see, oh, yeah, this is a young Kate Blanchett. Okay, I get that, even though they're not meant to be the same. I can't draw a line from Robert Ar Arameo to Hugo Weaving. No. I, I, they don't look remotely alike or even have the same aspect. Yeah, I think they've, I think they've gone for a sort of a, a, an energy and a, and a character here that is perhaps a little bit different than we've seen before. This, it was interesting to me. So Elrond is known as half-elven. I don't know if you remember from the books, it was yeah. Elrond half-elven, because his parents were a human elf couple, very famously. Oh, and he bloods. and his brother had the choice Chris. of becoming human or elf. He, uh, he chose elf, his brother chose human, was one of the ancestors of the people of Numenor. I realize Numenor is a word we're using a lot, and if you haven't read the books, it means nothing to you yet. We will get there. But uh, but yeah, so Elrond is, you, you might expect to be a little bit 
outside the center of power in elven society, you might expect him to have a little bit of a a path to the status that we see him in, in the Lord of the Rings. And I, I like that they're kind of showing a little bit of that, that they're mm. suggesting, well, he wasn't always super duper respected and ancient and wise. He had to work his way up to that, to that status. Not to the extent of, I think, seeing, well, certainly so far seeing elven racism against someone who was born half elf, but at least seeing that he's not quite at the center of things yeah. yet. I, I see him as almost like a Thomas Cromwell figure, actually. Mm. Uh, in at, at this stage, I mean, you know, uh, and God, Gilgalad being Henry VIII, but uh, yeah, I, I, and I actually really like it. I kind of like the fact that he's just the consummate diplomat. You know, he's the silver-tongued fellow. You know, who's just the right thing to say and when to say it. Uh, basically, he's got a charisma of eighteen. And, oh my and, god! <laughs> well, you know, half elves get plus two charisma, so uh, it makes perfect sense. Chris, I'm 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 sorry. I promised it wouldn't be too nerdy, and I've taken it. I've uh, taken I, it in honestly, a whole other. I I I kind of died. Yeah. during that bit. <laughs> it's okay. But it's fine. It's okay. But yeah, no. He's. He, I actually really like this version of Elrond. I like the fact he's more sparky and because 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 the the, mm. the Hugo Weaving Elrond is just he scowls all the time and he's grumpy all the time and he's always. You always have having to tell people what they don't want to hear, and, and he gets cross with hobbits that go running around his skirts and things. And you know, you expect him to sort of say hobbits are a disease. Um, but uh, but this 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 Elrond is just just a just just a fun loving guy. Well, he's going to go through some shit. I mean, they all yeah, are, but yeah. he in particular is going to go through some shit before uh, before we meet him again. Yeah, I but guess. But he's vibing. He's being the best. He's being the best Elrond he can. I like it. I like it. He's he's on a roll. Yeah. I, I genuinely, though, I did only really warm to him when I saw him with Durin, and I thought their scenes yes. together were just phenomenal. Absolutely mm. loved it. That stuff was really great. I think that's that's possibly he's a, a colder presence as a Hugo Weaving character and not someone that you'd want to spend the best part of eight episodes with because he's clearly one of the 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 major characters that's going to underpin all five seasons, I believe, of, is what they've got planned of this show. Um, so... Yeah, I think you want to spend time with someone who's a little bit warmer, uh, a little bit less uh, standoffish, as as Elrond is in my remembrance of him. Anyway, mm. maybe I'm just getting confused with the Red Skull. Um, yeah. But well, no, in 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 um, you know, in in the Lord of the Rings, you think about it. Really, he's kind of he's overseeing the decline of his of his people, isn't he? I mean, he's seeing them out the door. He's making sure they will leave Middle Earth. So it's not really very happy time for Elrond. So it's kind of fair enough. Yeah, and he, and his daughter wants to run off with this guy, and you know, die. So, so you know, <laughs> I kind, I kind of, I kind of feel for him in that. But, mm -hmm. but he's, yeah, he's definitely, he's, he's not, he's not as fun. He's not as fun as this version. No, absolutely, and that, that, that chemistry between the the two of them, and then Princess Deza, Am I right yeah. in saying that? Yeah, was was terrific. And then just when you think it can't get any better, they bring it fucking Peter Mullen yes. at the end. Peter Mullen, yes. Peter Mullen, Peter Mullen, Peter Mullen, Peter Mullen, and it just gets way more Scottish. It gets twenty five percent more Scottish. I expect next week's episode or next Friday's episode to be almost entirely iron brew and those little tonics caramel wafers that I'm addicted to. That's what <laughs> I, I think. That's what they're going to. They're going to break some Lembus bread. They're going to sit down together and they're going to have some tonics caramel wafers. That's what they're going to do. And then they're going to build the forge with girders. <laughs> Girders, just like what, just like Arbor. What did you think was in the box? Ooh, I think yeah. I know, but I'm intrigued to talk it, about it. Is it the Arkenstone? That's what I thought too. That's what I thought. Either that, or it's the thing that was in Pulp Fiction. 
Yeah, it's, it's one of the two. <laughs> yeah. But didn't the Arkenstone come from the Lonely Mountain? And isn't it a bit weird that they bring it oh, to Moria? Yeah, no, yeah, no, because ooh. Yeah, they found oh it's not the Arkenstone, is it? Because I they found that and you're right, Helen, they found that in Erebor. So what is it? Is it another Arkenstone? Is I don't it one know. of the is it one of the Silmaril? Oh Christ, <gasps> not them again. Yeah. Do you think they may be already- the raiders of the lost Arkenstone then? Oh, shush you. Me and Helen are talking. The grown ups are talking. So, 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 because there, there is a callback. There's a reference to the Silmaril. Kellen Rimbaud yeah. talks about them. So maybe that was, a, that was queuing us up, maybe for what they are. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, look, we know that Durin went to the Lonely Mountain as well as Moria. Like he's connected with both in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, so I guess it could just be that they're, the, the Dwarven Kingdom spreads across both essentially at this point. So family tree this shit for me, just sure. real quick. Uh, so Durin and who's Peter Mullen's character Durin. who appears at the end? His Durin, dad. Durin the third. So Durin the third is, is, is Peter Mullen. Durin the fourth is Owen Arthur. So it's two Durins. Yes. So it's, it's an endurance test. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. So wh- what are they related to? Who are they related to? Are they related to Gimli in any way? More yeah, I know he's um, son of Thorin, presumably. It's kind of the dwarven line of kings you would expect oh so it's thorn oakenshield mm. who is connected to these two and but yeah. there's still how many years between what we're seeing now and the lord of the rings i mean th- this is like it's hard to say because they're futzing the timeline so basically they're the, futzing the timeline futzing the timeline that's yeah. what they're doing yeah that's the worst thing you could do with the timeline <laughs> is futz it so so my my brief uh foray into wikipedia last night told me that this is the second age yes yes and Lord of the Rings is the third age. Third. The third age. Yes. And there's at least, well, there's hundreds of years between the two of them, right? Well, the second age like starts like 12,000 years sort of pre-Hobbit Lord of the Rings and ends, I think, 3,000 years pre-Hobbit Lord of the Rings, something like that. So it's 9,000 years long, the second age, which is why I'm saying Jesus, they're yeah. zhuzhing we're, a bit. We're at the end of it. We're, at, we're towards the end of the second age here, aren't we? We are, right. yeah. but they're they're pushing everything to that end. Yeah, because so there's are they shushing it or are they futzing it? They're doing both. You gotta be like, you can't shush you and can. futz. That's what they're doing. You gotta choose one or t'other, otherwise disaster looms. Okay, I would say there's more futzing than shushing, but there's also some shushing. <laughs> oh my god! All right, uh, okay. So so Durin and Durin might be connected to Thorn Oak and Shield. Uh, what about any of the other characters? Obviously, Elrond becomes Elrond. Gladriel becomes Gladriel. Super. Anyone else? Are there any antecedents here? Any ancestors? Yeah, we're going to be Aragorn's ancestors, aren't we? Uh, the men of Numenor. But, yeah, yeah. The, the people of Numenor. But very, I mean, because they, the people of Numenor go on to found the, 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 the nations of Arnor and Gondor. And of course, Gondor, <laughs> Gondor is where Minas Tirith is built, and that's Aragorn's land. So we're, we're talking, but you know, when you're talking about this is for human beings, for men, as they, as they call them, uh, sexistly, um, but for humans, let's say. It's mankind, Dad. It is oh mankind. Oh, my God. Don't start. Yeah, but no, no. I mean, Tolkien actually says manish, you know, when he's talking about the, you know, so, so Numenor is a manish nation. Anyway, so, so yeah, but it's so far away. It's kind of like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, a, of an equivalent. It's, 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 it's like from, from Cleopatra to Queen Elizabeth II. I mean, so. It's the way that a quarter of the world's population is descended from Genghis Khan. 
like you might be descended from Genghis Khan, but like it doesn't mean yeah. much at this point if you have the blood of Genghis Khan in, in you, if everybody else does too. Yeah, although it's, right. it's although, a very okay. long time. The Numenorians do live longer because, of course, they are descended yes. from Elrond's brother, who, whilst he gave up his immortality, did live for a longer time. So the, the royal that. line of Numenor <laughs> do live for longer. So their reigns go on for a few hundred years each. Yeah. And that's why Aragorn is actually about 90 years old uh, Correct. Uh, during, during the events of Lord of the Rings. But yeah, the, the, the timeline thing has me a bit confused as well, because... There's obviously there's the one of the big questions hanging over these two episodes is 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 the who is the stranger which I, I don't know if you want to get into that. but uh, to I me, think we, we do get we into do that. we absolutely yeah. want to get into that to me to me it is and I kind of made a joke about this about a week before the show came out I was like oh I hope there's going to be a baby Gandalf in 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 the Rings of Power and then lo and behold at the end of the first episode I'm thinking. Is that baby Gandalf? Have we actually got baby Gandalf? That's what a baby Gandalf looks like. But I'm now, I'm sort of thinking there's been there's been clues and hints, like the way he whispers to the fireflies reflects the way that, that Ian McKellen Gandalf whispered to the moth. And also that bit where he got angry and shouty and everything went dark and the trees leaned in, totally visually echoed Gandalf getting angry with Bilbo at the start of the Fellowship of the Ring and all that. So 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 the clues are there that he could be, but According to the timeline, he's not supposed to turn up for about another thousand years, the official timeline. But also, See, yeah. I, I, I do wonder he could be Saruman. Yes. Well, no, I don't think oh, he's Saruman. Oh, oh. You think I Saruman? I don't think Sauron. he's Saruman. No. I do think he might be. I think they're trying to make you wonder if he's Gandalf or Sauron. Sauron. I'll tell you. Ah. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Yeah. So Sauron's been gone for a while. There's nothing to be like he could be off planet or something similar, but. It seems unlikely, but it's possible because if you look at the way he lands, and I think this is very deliberate, of course, yes, he's landed from a meteor, but it's also reflective of a giant flaming eye. If you look at it on screen, it looks like a giant flaming eye. And I think that's very, very, very deliberate. The fact that all the fireflies then die is also meant to make you wonder, is this guy a good un or a bad un? Oh, maybe he's a bad un. There's, oh, yeah. There's also the fact that the fire didn't burn her. Exactly. And, and, and the the ring... fire was cold, which was a sign of evil when Galadriel was visiting Sauron's castle. Uh... So I think there are signs that are meant to at least make you wonder if this is Sauron. However, Sauron, like our own Lucifer, as it were, comes from the same stock as Gandalf. They are both members of the Maiar, right? So it is not impossible that they have similar symptoms, if you like, when they're not, certainly when Gandalf isn't in control of his powers. So it would make a certain amount of sense also if it was just Gandalf. And also the flaming eye thing, I mean, he has literally just landed in a meteor, which is the kind of thing that might happen if you were sort of an angel sent down to essentially yeah. Earth, uh, which yeah. is essentially Gandalf's origin story. Mm. So I'm leaning towards Gandalf for the reasons you've also mentioned, but I think we are meant to wonder, I think that the film, this showrunners have decided to try and make us wonder. I don't yeah. think he's Sar Saruman simply because there is no hint that Saruman ever had any kind of relationship with regard for or experience of hobbits That's true. beyond That's buying true. some leaf from them. So I think, but I think if it is Gandalf, that would explain maybe why he has a little bit of a resonance Affinity. with yeah. those kind of people. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have uh, done a bit of reading about this because I was very intrigued by the Meteor Man, uh, which is because the character is called the Stranger, the Stranger officially, yeah. but people have started calling him the Meteor Man. And he is played by Daniel Wayman. And I was like, who is this guy? Who is it? And I was thinking, is this their way of introducing Gandalf? And then I did some uh, 
quick googling and I saw one website which I never try I try never to visit uh, just on moral and ethical grounds uh, but nevertheless I had to on this occasion and they were pretty much like they had just said look this is Sauron they, the show has already given it away this is absolutely 100% going to be Sauron uh, case closed thank you very much good night uh, and then some other ones were going it's Gandalf maybe it could be Gandalf but if it's Gandalf, this both shushes and futzes with the timeline yeah, to, yeah. to a major degree. And, and people aren't going to be happy about that. But I don't give a shit about it. If it's Gandalf and it works for the story, then that's cool. Yeah. So, but then I saw someone else saying that Halbrand, mm. who is a mysterious hunky stranger who has some chemistry with uh, Galadriel in the Sundering Sea uh, <laughs> and is the only one to survive the creature uh, that attacks them, the worm that attacks oh, them, yeah. that he might be Sauron. Also so possible. maybe the show is doing a couple of things where it's like setting up red herrings, mm. if you will. Uh, so is this Sauron? Is it not Sauron? If if the meteor man is Sauron, mm. it seems a little bit obvious to me that they're they're you know they're laying out all these clues. Maybe they think they're being clever about the clues. I don't know. Maybe it is Sauron, but it just seems a little bit obvious to me. But I also have to ask the question: Why? What what would it benefit the story if Sauron appeared out of nowhere, had lost his memory, wasn't quite sure who he was? Yeah, I d I don't understand that, and also I kind of understand how he got into space. Yeah, that's what first, you know. Fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, we are talking gods and angels, so it's possible, but it seems unlikely. I, I yeah. absolutely agree. I do think that, um, yeah, we can't rule out uh, Hunky Man um, being a force because he's a he's a completely new character. As far as we know, he's not Numenorean. He's not related to them because he talks about coming from a land in the south which doesn't appear to be Numenor because it has orcs. Maybe that's wrong, but we'll see. I guess next episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so why does he and where does he fit in? And maybe that makes sense if he's Sauron, because Sauron is meant to be, as well as Dan saying, a trickster and and you know someone who can kind of worm his way into places. He's also meant to be super duper attractive uh, in this age. I'm not kidding. He's meant yeah. to be like fair to look upon, which is why all the elves are like, well, this dude seems like a totally solid guy, because they're very very shallow people. They're all fair to look upon. Exactly. All the elves. And so they're like, oh, hey, this guy must be one of us, one of us. Um, and, and this is with the greatest of respect to Daniel Wayman. Uh, but Charlie Fickers, who plays Halbrand, is is a more aesthetically pleasing, conventionally attractive person. And Daniel Wayman may be that, but he's clearly being you know, buried under layers of makeup yeah. and grit and grizzle and beards and all sorts of stuff. And so... That's one of the things that made me think it might be, it might be Gandalf, it might be, or or a Gandalf type figure, uh, and then maybe mm. this other guy is is the Sauron. I don't know. We 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 shall find out uh, at some point. Maybe well, we shall eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I, look, I, I'm yeah. But I'm kind of enjoying the fact that they have us guessing. Yeah, and it's it's interest. It's an interesting feeling to have. In Middle Earth, because you know, mm. because there are no as, as amazing as the Lord of the Rings trilogy is for many people, like my, myself among them, there, there weren't really that many surprises. You know, uh, I mean, it was great to, to experience those when I read the book. You know, for example, Eowyn taking out the Witch King, uh, which is a great moment. But yeah, um, it's 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 good to it's nice to be in this world and to be feeling like yeah, there's there's new stuff happening. Even though technically it's very, very old stuff. Very, very old stuff. Very old. So old. Yeah. 
Who haven't we talked about yet? Yeah, I don't know if we've talked enough about Galadriel. We haven't. No, really. we probably haven't. I mean, this yeah. is a talking talking about the the difference between this Elrond and the other Elrond. I mean, that's like nothing compared to the difference between this Galadriel and 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 future Galadriel. Is it? I mean, it's she's 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 it's it's she's almost antagonistic. You know, she's like she's the she's the rebel. She's the she's the renegade. She's the renegade elf. A robot renegade elf. I do like that. I do like that when her uh, team mutiny against her and they all draw their swords. And they just they're just gonna lay them down on the floor because elves are just so nice. That's that's what they do. Like they're not fighting against her, they're just going, No, we just don't you're not gonna have our swords anymore. We're just not gonna use them anymore. Um, bless them. Mm. Lovely people. Yeah. But um <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I like the fact that 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 she's just like, fuck off. I know best. I'm not doing what you tell me. I'm gonna go and jump in the sea and swim for ages. Ages and ages, rather than go to heaven. Uh, yeah, and and she kicks ass. You know, she's the she's the Legolas of this show, of this version. She runs up swords and jumps through she's the air. She's Lego Lass. Oh boy, L A S S. Now I hear you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I and I'm really en- again. I'm really enjoying that. You know, she's mm. she's 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 spiky and and difficult and interesting. Yeah, it was interesting because uh, one of the um, stupid things that Elon Musk said this week was that uh, all the women in the show are super nice and all the men are rubbish. And, you know, how are we supposed to invest in this show, which clearly hates men and, and loves women? And I'm like, have you seen anything about Galadriel? Nice is not the word for this character. Like, she is absolutely determined to the point of, yeah, being a bit of a dick to everyone around her, as you say. And And I think that's a far more interesting kind of journey for her to be on. It doesn't feel, you know, the the woman we saw had a dark side. We literally saw a dark side to her. The woman we saw was accustomed to command. She was accustomed to lead, but she did have edge. You know, in the Lord of the Rings, they talk about the, what is it? The lady of the woods or something. And all the other, all the non-elves around are terrified of her. Absolutely terrified Mm. of this figure. So she does have a little bit of, at least presence and certainly edge, I think, too, or even in the third age. Younger with the, the recent loss of uh, not just Finrod, but her other brothers as well, you know, it would make sense that she has a bit of anger and some stuff to work out and that she does so with, you know, one of the world's longest swims. So I was confused as to where exactly she had her knife at various points where she was like in her essentially nighty and swimming across you know, the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. It was very unclear where she was actually st- stashing her knife. And I wish the costuming had been a little bit more particular in that respect, but hey. In the special place where all elves keep their weapons. Of course. The same way that Legolas would always keep his yes. arrows, which never seemed to he run never out. Ran but, out uh, did he? No. Never ran out. He's like a, like a, like, like Chow Yun fat in hard boiled, mm-hmm. only with arrows. Uh, it's quite, it's quite amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I agree with. I agree with much of what you're saying about Galadriel. Uh, aren't you Galad? She's a really killing all those people. Um, oh boy. I don't know. Anyway, oh, I'm workshopping that one. I might not. I might not keep that. I might, yeah. That one might not make the edit. We'll, we'll we shall see. I, I hope. I hope. Um, it, I hope it does, Chris. Just just so that your true colours could be shown to the world. Oh damn you, Dan! Damn you! <laughs> uh, but yeah, Morphe Clark is is fantastic, and uh, Galadriel is very clearly, I think, being positioned as the lead of the show is that right i mean it's clearly an ensemble yeah. show but we have our we have our serv- we have about five factions at the moment we have the proudfoots no well, okay well, so the harfoots 
Harfoot. No, no, what are their names? What are their names? Poppy, are they, are they Poppy Proudfoot? Oh, Pro- yeah, or Nori Proudfoot. And, Nori, Pro- yeah. Nori Proudfoot and, uh, and, her, her, and uh, her gang and the stranger. Can we talk about the fact that Lenny Henry's in the show? We have to talk about that as well because I'm I'm loving that. And uh, so we got the we got the Harfords, we got the Proudfords within the Harfords mm-hmm. with the person who may be Gandalf, but it's maybe also Sauron, maybe neither of them, uh, maybe Jimmy McGill. We don't know. Well, at he this could point. be one of the we have blue the, wizards that we never saw and were never oh, named in the books. But I think that's yeah. less yeah. likely. Yeah, he might be one of the blue wizards because I, I want to find out why there's a warning about foul language at the start of each episode. Uh, I'm sure they're not talking about the. That's just a general thing because I had a I thought that an episode of Better Call Saul was spoiled for me because the word suicide popped up in the BBFC's advisory at the beginning of the episode, and I was like, oh no, you've just spoiled the suicide of a major character, which actually does happen in that episode. I'm not going to say which episode, and I was like, oh no, this is ridiculous. And then I realised that it was just the advisory for every episode of Better Call Saul. And I just happened to notice it on that one particular episode that does climax with the suicide oh, of a enough. major character. Enough, so, uh, so I think that's just a general kind of placeholder thing, maybe for a twelve, because I'm guessing this is a twelve because it's got some fairly scary bits mm. that are very well marshaled by J. A. Bayona. But anyway, back to the factions, real quick. So we have the Harfoots, we have the Elves, uh, we have the Dwarves who've now shown up in episode two. We have the Men, and and the Elves kind of also cover the the bit with Arondir mm. and. And Bronwyn as well. We have some men, and we have who else do we have? Is that we, we have some met orcs, Numenor but we're not yet, really. Yeah. Numenor we haven't is, met Numenor. Very we banged on about men. them relentlessly, but yeah. we haven't met. That's the, that's the big man yet. place. <laughs> that's the big that's man place. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I think Excellent. I think the, the the men we've seen, the humans we've seen so far in the show, um, down in the south. Basically, they're sort of in behind where Mordor is. If you look at the map. They clearly sided with Morgoth in the last wars, or with Ugh, Morgoth and Sauron. Those motherfuckers. So they were badens. I think yeah. the Numenorians didn't. They are goodens, and they're off on an island on their own. Let's call their okay. island Atlantis. No reason. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> it's one of those unfortunate things about about Tolkien's world that basically the further south and east you go, the more nasty and evil people get. The further north and west you go the nicer and more heroic they get. I mean, that's true of London, isn't it? Um, so <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. It's funny because it's true. Yeah, but no, we, we should talk about this because uh, this show has come in for a lot of criticism for being quote-unquote woke. Um, because, and you are woke, apparently, if you cast anyone who isn't a straight white man, um, which I think is is bollocks because even if Tolkien didn't write anyone as having color, you know, being a person of color, which by the way, he did uh, on several occasions, he described several characters, including the hobbits as brown skinned. Um, Even if he described everybody as lily white, that doesn't mean that you as filmmakers have to be similarly unrepresentative. Mm. Why not mix it up? This is not a direct prequel as discussed to the Lord of the Rings. So there is absolutely no reason that they couldn't have, if they if they wanted to, cast a black actress as Galadriel. It just happened they had the option of Morpheth Clark. And if you have the option, then you take it. Mm. You know, it there is no reason why this show should be in any way white dominated. It doesn't make any sense. This is a show, by the way, with potatoes and tobacco. This is a world that has potatoes and tobacco. So it's clearly not meant to be medieval Europe. So Get the frick over yourselves. Jesus, can we not have mm-hmm. this discussion over again? Honestly, it's 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 a non it's a non fucking topic. It's just like yeah. No, but it's the, if, it's dominated discussion I, of the first week it's of the show depressing. and it drives I mean, me sorry, up the wall. It is it, it's just depressing. 
but uh, it is depressing and it, thankfully we can keep our discussion of it to a minimum and we are and we say come one come all because as I've said before Lenny Henry's in the show so and if you can put Lenny Henry in your show put Lenny Henry in your show uh, he is tremendous Sir Lenny Henry of course mm. uh, my apologies uh, he is tremendous and I hope becomes a, an integral part of the show as, as it goes forth and of course I would say this is the best Lenny Henry TV show since Chef. Wow. St- strong words. There. I love Chef. Can I, can I just note that his book that he keeps looking at does seem to be pretty prophetic. I'm it interested does, in it? how prophetic that is and where it comes from and what it means. So that could be cool mm. going the forward. The skies are strange. Nobody, nobody looks suspiciously at the sky better than Lenny Henry, I've decided. <laughs> He does very well because he yeah. says, well, the skies are strange. And then he looks up. He's like, oh, yeah. as if to reinforce his point about them being strange. Yeah. Uh, but my point earlier on that I was, I was trying to make, um, but I, I, in my cack handed way, I got distracted by a shiny thing, uh, was that despite all the factions being set up and we're all, we're, you know, being buffeted back and forth between all these different storylines, it does seem to be Galadriel who is going to propel it all. I, Am I wrong? I think she's going to be our major force. I don't know that she's going to be the major force because... We keep talking about it. Numenor, I think, is going to be really, really important. <laughs> so important they're not in the first two episodes. Yeah, but I don't, I think, I don't, you know, neither are half the characters who were really important to Game of Thrones in the first, like, season in some cases. Fraser Crane wasn't in the first season of, of Cheers. There you go. You know, so I, I, I don't know that it's going to be, I think it is going to remain a true ensemble in the way that Game of Thrones did. I think she will be a, like a Tyrion, maybe, like she's a very important part of the ensemble, but I don't think it's, it's, all her. Maybe she is a Daenerys. I don't know. Why are we comparing it to Game of Thrones? This is yeah. the granddaddy of Game of Thrones. There is no Game of Thrones without this. Fuck's sake. I, I, I think I think maybe the doing Celebrimbor Elrond feels more central potentially. You know, yeah. given the fact if we if you boil it down to the brassiest of brass tax as we did for Chris earlier, it's about the creation of the ring, the ring. And the rings. But it's also the first war of the ring, and Galadriel's much more like this Galadriel seems much more likely to be leading in that, doesn't she? Oh, how woke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God save us. There's also going to be some romance to come. Galadriel and uh, Elrond are both going to get married at some point, you'd think. To each other or no. to other people? No. To other people. To Lenny Henry. Do either of them marry Lenny Henry? N- not no. that I know of. But there's always first and second husbands, right? So, <laughs> Well, they're, first, they're second breakfasts. So why can't you have a second <laughs> husband? Right. Uh, do any of them marry uh, Peter Mullen? Do any of them marry uh, Meteor Man? No. I don't know. <laughs> right, I don't okay. know that second one for sure. <laughs> but probably They're not. definitely not going to marry Peter Mullen. Right. That's not happening. They marry. Yeah. I can't remember who Elrond marries, but then, but, but, but Galadriel just kind of she marries some boring elf dude, played by Martin Sokus in in the films. Mm. Who who doesn't do much? He just sort of stands to her left or right or whichever side it is, and and has hair. And that's it. <laughs> he, he wants to talk to Gandalf. He has a line. Leave him uh, alone. He doesn't do much. I don't know. It's just like, I, I can't imagine this Galadriel marrying that dude. You know what I'm saying? It just but doesn't seem right. But this isn't that Galadriel yet. And so maybe uh, he isn't that dude yeah. yet. You know? For legal reasons, this isn't that Galadriel. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> can't emphasize that enough. <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. Listen, we know that there, there are two episodes here and there's two hours to get into, but we're going to have to bring this to an okay. end very, very soon uh, because um, I've got the run. Uh, so blame me. 
Blame me. Oh. But uh, I, I just want to say real quick, Dan mentioned it early on about the scale and the spectacle of the show. And apart from a couple of things, there's the moment when Durin and Elrond are traveling in the great glass elevator up up to wherever they or down wherever the hell they're going um, that A reminded me of that scene in The Winter Soldier but then a lot of things remind me of scenes in The Winter Soldier uh, but <laughs> there was also that felt a little bit green screeny there's a couple of moments that felt a little bit green screeny but by and large I have been stunned by this show visually on a visual level I know that this is no longer J.A. the in the director's chair after episode two, but I know he's the supervising director and the guy who's establishing the visual and tonal template for the show. So hopefully whoever is following in his footsteps uh, can can do a similarly good job. But for me, this is like we've talked about this an awful lot on our MCU TV show uh, spoiler specials that they look amazing beyond pretty much anything that any other TV show including Game of Thrones, has been able to mount on a budget level. But then sometimes with the MCU shows, you get the feeling that the budget kind of sometimes isn't there or or they're, or, or they're, they're trying to stretch it a little bit. I don't get that feeling here. We all know why. We all know because Jeff Bezos is why he's doing the effects himself. <laughs> but it looks incredible is what I'm saying. I think part of that is the way that the MCU shows work. And this is something that has been much talked about in the last couple of months, which is that VFX artists are coming out and saying they keep rushing us. They keep changing their minds at the 11th and even 12th hour. And then we are scrambling desperately to to accommodate those changes and things don't get the polish that we would give them if we were able to make these decisions, you know, where they should be made, frankly, in pre-production and certainly in production, never mind post. Yeah. And I think that's maybe the difference here. This has had perhaps more of a, a, a set idea from the start. And in fairness, it's been in production for an awfully long time. You know, they, I think uh, Morfith Clark was in was in New Zealand for something like two years. You know, th- this has been a long, long time coming. They've had time to get everything right. But presumably, they also, at least that we've heard, haven't had a, a, a wealth of last-minute changes. So the showrunners mm. are Patrick McKay and John D. Payne, you know, they're, they're fairly new, yeah, relatively yeah. speaking, they're, they're relatively inexperienced, but they've maybe got a very, very good team around them to handle that visual side of things and make sure that everything kind of, you know, coheres that way. Good job so far. Mm. I mean, I have to say, I, I came into this with relative reluctance, <laughs> I must say. Uh, and I thought the first episode was fine, if a little expositiony, but a lot of ep- first episodes are. I also thought it was maybe a little bit dull, a little bit treading water. I don't think there's an immediacy of premise, as I was alluding to earlier on. Uh, and maybe you need that. But listen, I just watched 63 episodes of Better Call Saul, which is a show that moved at a glacial pace, and I loved every single minute of it. So, uh, you know, I can also very quickly dial into the rhythm of this show. And I thought the second episode was a was a big improvement. Yeah. There does seem to be, as indeed there has been with various Marvel shows like your Falcon and the Winter Soldiers and um, Moon Knights, there does seem to be budget for one big action sequence per episode at the moment. And a lot of it's talking, but I think the, the dialogue scenes are pretty damn good and the cast is likable and, win- and winning. And so, you know, I didn't expect to say this. I'm going to be sticking around. I'm going to be, I may not be on the next show because you, you'll want someone on these shows who actually knows what they're talking about, but I'm going to be sticking around and I'm going to be watching the next few episodes as well yeah. and see where we go. I, th- I think the the humor was, it was present technically in the first episode. There were lines that were clearly meant to be jokes, but they weren't 
ha ha ha, laugh out loud funny. And I think oh, the second yeah. episode with the dwarves brought in a little bit more successful humor um, than maybe we had from the Harfoots and, and indeed the humans mm. and elves in episode yeah. one. So I think, I think it's settling into its tone a little bit as it goes. There have been some lines that I thought were awkward or mm. silly, um, but generally speaking, I think they've, they've got their Tolkien ear in and it feels more or less right. It's, I'm very glad it's got those lighter moments. One of my criticisms so far of House of the Dragon is there's there's not enough variation in in tone uh, mm. uh, and the episodes that we see in it. Everything's at kind of at the same very serious kind of courtly pitch. You don't have that kind of common voice, you know, the kind of the outside observer, really, the sort of the the left field voices. Whereas whereas in this, I think there's there's a lot of tones and less so in the very first episode they get introduced more for example i just absolutely it just for some reason it just it just really got me that great scene where the strangers in in the wheelbarrow mm. and and poppy and nori are kind of having an argument and then the, the barrow just starts rolling down the hill with this you know <laughs> weird mm. it's an being, oldie bit of goldie it's, i know no, exactly it's not an original gag but just it, I, I just you know it, i just found myself chuckling and I, and I don't think i've laughed once yet during house of the dragon so so that's a good sign <laughs> I hope actually that's what this show is, is a stealth remake of Last of the Summer Wine. Uh, with, with that character, you know, next, next week he's in a bath. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not Baby Gandalf, it's Baby Foggy. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, that would be uh, technically Dan. That would be Baby Compo. Oh, so, okay, uh, okay. But but he does he does resemble more stylistically and physically. He does resemble Foggy, more, foggy. more than Cleggy or Compo. And of course, we're not even beginning to talk about Seymour. No, oh. let's not. So Seymour, Seymour was a late addition <laughs> that I did not approve of. Seymour, he, 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 he upset the balance. See less, yes. more like yeah, suddenly yeah. Seymour. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, yes, indeed. Anyway, listen. I think on that note, that is it for our first Lord of the Rings: The Rings of Power spoiler special. As with all our TV spoilers at the moment, because of the sheer onslaught of peak TV, of of classic cinematic TV at the moment. We're not going to be doing weekly episodes, but we will be back, I think, Helen, after episode five? Yeah, hopefully episode in a, five. In a few weeks' time. Yeah. yeah, our next She-Hulk episode is going to be after next week's episode five. Uh, our next House of the Dragon one is going to be after episode four, I think. Four, which is which this is, coming week, actually. This so, coming week, yeah. oh Christ. Oh, yeah, and then Andor begins on September 21st with a three-episode premiere, and we'll be doing one after that, and then one every three or four episodes oh, uh, after that as well. Yeah, but, but you know, this is basically why we're not doing weekly episodes for all of them, because we don't have the time. We don't have we don't have the time or the personnel. This is how things like this happen. Me hosting a Lord of the Rings show. Dan being on the show at all. I'm furious about um, it. But we are where we are. I, what can I say? I just kind of like, you know, I streaked across Helen's sky and landed in her back garden. <laughs> yeah, it's by true. Cold, cold flame. And after a yeah. bit of incoherent shouting, we hit it off. <laughs> I, I've got to say, Dan, I'm going to send you an invoice, though, for the rose bushes because, you know, they're not going to recover. <laughs> um, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just whisper some words to them and, <laughs> and I'm sure it'll be fine. Incoherent shouting sums up this podcast perfectly. And anyway, that's it. I'm going to bring it to an end now. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks with another episode of this one. And in the meantime, it is time to say goodbye to my two fellowship members of such lethal cunning, Dan Jolin, a.k.a. Squadcast Time Today. Which one are you, Dan? Are you baby Gandalf? Um, of course you yeah, are. Look at your hair. Yeah. Uh, 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 Beautiful. Uh, uh, Namarie. 
Mariska Hargitay, Dan. Mariska Hargitay. <laughs> it's goodbye from Nori Varis, Helen O'Hara. Have that, Legolas. Have that. It's the only Elvish I know off the top of my head. It means sit down, Legolas. <laughs> I told you before, I don't speak Spanish. Hey. And, and it's goodbye from me. Post credit sting. Because of sting the sword. sword, it hasn't been yeah, made yet. Has technically, pre-credit sting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it will do. Anyway, <laughs> I'm off to get my podcasting badge and then roll down the hill in a runaway bath. <laughs> what a way to spend a Wednesday afternoon! Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.